Hello and welcome to the Graduate House podcast, Bright Sparks. We are very excited to have our second interviewee of the series, Dr. Ted Crawford, AM. Thanks for coming on our podcast, Ted. Thank you. Dr. Crawford is a revered member of the orthodontic community, having held his own practice in Melbourne City and Melbourne since 1975. Dr. Crawford graduated with a Bachelor of Dental Science in 1971 from the University of Melbourne and then spent two years working as a dentist in the RAN posted to HMAS Lewin in Perth. He then completed his Master of Dental Science to gain his orthodontic qualifications and register as a special orthodontist. He has held numerous teaching positions and has contributed relentlessly to the orthodontic community, including his federal presidency of the Australian Society of Orthodontists, where he founded one of the most lauded dental initiatives, changing the lives of many Australians. Ted, I'm of course talking about the Give a Smile program. Can you explain to our listeners what this program is? It's a program, Give a Smile is a program set up by the Australian Society of Orthodontists to allow specialist members, specialist orthodontists who are members of that association, to give back to the community by way of providing pro bono orthodontic treatment to, to kids in need. Excellent. So how easy or difficult was it to set this up and is it funded? Well, it's difficult. it was difficult to set up and, and it, it came to me as a as an idea really from my wife who, who suggested I do something useful when I was president of the Australian Society of Orthodontists in my time leading up to it. Uh, I agreed with her and, uh, and, and it took communication with all the health departments around Australia, that's eight of them, states and, and territories, to, to bring them in online to provide patients uh, from their orthodontic waiting lists. Some some states and territories didn't have them. That was that was quite difficult, okay. but but we did it, and uh, in time we set up the project, which was embraced by many members of the uh, the ASO. Okay, so set the scene for us. What was happening in the field? What were you seeing and experiencing that led you to the idea of Give a Smile? Well, uh, already I knew that. On, on an informal basis, members of the ASO were giving back to the community and providing pro bono treatment within their practice. But I, I felt that it would be good to 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 establish a more uh, recognised form of this and a recognised example of this, and and that's where Give a Smile came from. So, and and I, I knew that that there were many orthodontists who who needed the structure that Give a Smile provides to allow them to take a patient and to treat them pro bono in the practices. And that structure, of course, is provided by Give a Smile. Okay. And did you have an official launch for the event? We did. Uh, after it was all set up, which took a few years, I might add, uh, it was launched to the public in June of 2005 by the then Federal Health Minister, who happened to be Mr Tony Abbott, who came along and launched the program to the public outside Luna Park in Melbourne. Uh, which we thought was an, an appropriate place to launch Give a Smile. And, uh, and he, he did it very well, very graciously, and we haven't looked back since. Wonderful. And so once you got it started, how long was it before the first client came through? Have you taken on a client through this program? Yes, oh, sure. Uh, uh, Give a Smile. Um, when, when one signs on to Give a Smile, one pledges to take one patient per year. So I guess I've probably taken 15 to 20. I haven't counted them. Um, and, uh, and the first patient was, was, was actually up and ready. She attended the, the launch and she's been our, our go-to uh, flag-waving Give a Smile um, 
ambassador uh, for, for many years and her, her name's Emma and she's great she was my first patient and she was the first good smile patient That's wonderful. It's, a lo- it's a lovely story yeah so this program allows one client per year for each orthodontist some might feel that one is very minimal perhaps but there's a particular reason behind this well w- one was regarded as is as the baseline entry yeah. some have taken more than one many take one but even at one at the, at the level of adherence and uh, embracement of, of the give a sm- of the ASO orthodontist to give a smile and that is uh, 60% which was incredible 66% it reached uh, that, that translated to about 250 patients per year across Australia which which is not insignificant it's n- not a, a big onerous burden uh, on on the orthodontist themselves in their practice but it, it, it adds up to, to quite a significant change to the waiting list in fact it shortens the waiting list by probably six months or a year depending on the state wow, and okay. yeah and it allows people to have treatment at a much sooner rate than they mm. would have otherwise how has the give a smile program benefited the community well it it does so in in uh, in in two ways but both well in several ways i guess but the, the ways that come to mind are the fact that it shortens the waiting list so someone on the waiting list will get through that waiting list quicker courtesy of give a smile because we're able to take patients provided from the top of the waiting list and the other the other thing is that we we realize that it's there's a, a financial benefit to the government because every patient that's taken on and treated pro bono by a private orthodontist a specialist or orthodontist means money they don't have to pay to treat that patient and we we did the sums on it and and if you look at how much it costs to treat a patient it probably adds up to about a million dollars a year so over the period of 10 years when we calculated that figure it's now closer to 14 or 15 that's 10 million dollars or now 14 or 15 million dollars which is pretty amazing Hmm. What, as an orthodontist, what, what are some of the um, issues that you see with public waiting lists? Well, uh, as, as a private orthodontist, we're, we're a little bit separate from it, but we do see it happening. And, and the, the problem with the public dental waiting lists is, is that, that people are on it for a long time and sometimes don't get to the top. Or, mm-hmm. uh, and if they do get to the top, it's taken them some time to do it. So they're treated not, not when the problem arises, but when they get to the top of that waiting list. So it's a problem more in, and, and this is across the board in medical areas mm-hmm. generally, uh, that, that that it takes a long time to be seen and treated. Okay, so you've since moved on from Give a Smile. Um, do you still follow its happening? I do. Uh, in fact, today I'm flying up to Brisbane to the annual ASO meeting uh, at which there'll be a Give a Smile presentation and the person who's taken over from me is, of course, a different demographic. That was the idea of me finishing Give a Smile uh, to hand it over. I'm, I'm semi-retired now myself and uh, the, the idea was to hand over give a smile to to someone of a younger generation who would take it on from there and he has taken it on very well okay so it's certainly still flourishing then it, it's still flourishing I'm not as close to it as I was clearly but uh, from what I gather it's still flourishing he rings me sometimes so does the administrative assistant for, for various things and I, I take the time to ask them how it's going and it seems to be going fine I'll, I'll know more after today Okay. How does it feel to have um, such a great program still in existence that, that you founded? I feel very proud. I feel very proud 
not only for myself, but for the, for, the, for all the orthodontists in Australia, all the members of the ASO who, who, who took it on board as well, because they're the ones who do the work. They're the ones at the coalface who take these patients on. I feel very proud that it was an, an initiative whilst I was president, but uh, uh, I, I should never forget to mention my wife in this because it was her idea. Uh, oh, okay. that, that, that started give a smile and yeah. uh, not mine it's it's too good an idea for me <laughs> not at all <laughs> okay let's get to know your background a little more what or who influenced you to select dentistry wow that's a long time ago but uh, it, it was uh, probably it had to be back in school time when I gained enough marks in my what was then matriculation now year 12 to to enter into dentistry um, which I which I know is a high mark now that's needed. I probably wouldn't get in now, but it it was something I wanted to to do. I, I felt my I felt an interest towards people, so it was dentistry was a choice, medicine was a choice, but I chose dentistry uh, because it was probably closer to people. But it's interesting that that I when I chose dentistry, I I thought I'd be a dentist for the rest of my life, and it was not long into that that I decided to be, become an orthodontist. Slightly different from a general dentist, but but I, I realised that that my real uh, joy was to to, uh, to communicate with with kids, teenagers, but of course an orthodontist treats a number of adults as well. But uh, it's it's a it's a very rewarding and has been a very rewarding area of area of my career. Definitely. So at that time, how was it being a fresh graduate and getting a job in dentistry? It, it was a lot easier then than it is now, and I have to say it. it I, I and I have this conversation. I still teach the postgraduates. I say to them, "You've chosen a wonderful career, wonderful professional, wonderful specialty." But it, I, I do feel for them because it's harder for them getting out there in the world because the world is much more competitive now than it was when I was starting back in the seventies, early seventies, in fact. Uh, and it, it wasn't so difficult to get a job or, or, or even get a position doing an orthodontic training, as I did. Um, it's now much more difficult than that. So, but my, my advice is to, to do it because it's a wonderful thing to do, but it is harder now uh, than, it, than it was when I, when I started. As mentioned earlier, you were posted to HMAS Lewin in Perth working as a dentist. What was that experience like? Well, it was wonderful because uh, it was in the time of uh, the Vietnam War, if it's such a long time ago now, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and I was conscripted, uh, as many of my contemporaries were, and I chose, I was, I was selected and, and was allowed to do the two years in the Navy rather than as a, in the Army. So, so that posting to HMAS Lewin was a result of my conscription for two years, and it was a very good experience. I, I had wonderful equipment, good colleagues around me. It was a, a dental unit at HMAS Lewin, which is sure based on uh, on the, the Swan River at Fremantle in WA. And uh, I had an excellent experience starting off. And, and, and it was then, because I was treating junior recruits who were fifth, only 15, believe it or not, in the Navy, uh, it was probably my experience then that led me towards orthodontics because I enjoyed treating them okay. as, as young kids and I thought orthodontics would be a good extension of that. What has been the best piece of advice that you have received? My best piece of advice, and I give this to our, our children, uh, is, that, is that you should do something that you love to do, not something that you're expected to do. 
people ask me, any of our six children are uh, dentists or orthodontists, not one, I'm, I'm proud to say, because they've all followed what they've wanted to do yeah. and, and they appear to be very happy in, in what they do. So my, my advice to them, which is, I'm sure, advice that I received, is, is to do what you, you love doing. Not, not for the money, because money's immaterial. It, it's, it's, it's how, how will you enjoy your life, which is your work, for the most, for, for many of us. Do you think that logic that you were just that sort of philosophy of, of life, yeah. um, is what sort of guided you throughout your career? Yes, it has. Uh, in that, uh, throughout my life, apart from enjoying what you do, which is very important giving back to the community is also very important and that's what Give a Smile is all about really. So so uh, I've been in private practice for, as you said, for a long time and I established Give a Smile uh, and throughout, throughout life there's been a component of giving to those in need in one way or another uh, over life and that to me is an important part of life too. You know, we, we're, we're in a privileged position and certainly as a, as a, as a, a person trained in a profession like dentistry or medicine or any other profession and as a specialist orthodontist one is in a privileged position. So there's a, an obligation to give back as a result of that. Um, for, for me it's, it's more than a duty, it's, it's because I like doing it um, but it's, it's certainly something that, that, that strikes a chord with many other similarly trained people that, that we, we live in a privileged position we, we occupy that privileged position, therefore we should give to those who, who need need things more than we do. Mm. I'm, I'm guessing this is why you've been awarded the AM. <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> uh, I, that, that was a, a, a real thrill, a surprise. Um, I'm sure Give a Smile was behind it. It wasn't mentioned quite that way in the citation. It mentioned more my contribution to postgraduate education, to the to the profession, to the running of the profession, etc. But uh, for those who, who know about Give a Smile, they know exactly why uh, the AM was was awarded. Uh, it was it was probably as much to do with Give a Smile as to do with anything else. Okay, so you mentioned postgraduate education. So yep. do you teach as well? I do. Uh, I, I over the years I've taught sometimes in a formal way these days in a very informal way. When asked, uh, I, I give lectures to the postgraduate students and the undergraduate students uh, as, I, as, I, as I do once a year as okay. well. So uh, I, I enjoy that. That's, that's uh, oh, I guess it's a form of giving back, um, but uh, it's a lovely communication and, and connection I have with, with a different generation that seem to enjoy hearing from me on, on those areas. So Ted, you're certainly um, a role model and a, and a sort of mentor for a lot of young um, dentistry students and just I guess people in people in general in society. Just knowing you know what you do, um, who have you looked up to in the past? Well, that's a that's a very good question, uh, and I I enjoy assuming that mentoring role, and I've always done that for. For, for colleagues, uh, younger colleagues who've been in the profession a little less time than me over the years who've always come to me for advice. And when I was starting, I looked up to senior members of the profession in the same way who, who would unofficially mentor me and help me with my decisions and directions and uh, 
things that I wanted to do in, in orthodontics and they helped me, helped guide me in those. And certainly I've done that myself over the years unofficially. And now, as it happens, there's an official mentoring program and I think it's wonderful. And I'm a mentor for a, a young graduate from Melbourne University who, who I've now seen two or three times and I'll continue to see and it's a lovely relationship and I can pass on to him um, whatever experience I have. Mm. I, well, a lot of experience, <laughs> I'm sure. What keeps you motivated? Um, well, uh, it's interesting. Uh, at the age of, and I am 68, nearly 69, and I, just, I thought a year ago that I'd love this, so, and I do love it so much that I'd c keep doing this forever. But there, there comes a time when you should draw that line in the sand and say, no, it's, it's going to finish. Um, and there's, there's some regrets about finishing. The regrets are, of course, the, pe the lovely people that you look after and their parents and their families uh, and, and saying goodbye to them. But for the most part, very most, most part, they're, they're very supportive of my decision, having got to that stage where, where I'm able, to, where I have to say to them, no, I won't be taking on the younger sibling because I'm now, I've drawn the line and said I'm retiring. I'm, I'm still around for a year or a year and a half to finish off patients in braces. Um, I love it, but there, life should be full of other things as well. Um, if you completely stop working and you've got nothing else that's not, not a good scenario. A lot of people have to do that. In, in orthodontics, we don't have to. My life is full of, well, eight grandchildren now. There are six children wow. now, eight yeah. grandchildren. Oh. So there's, there's a lot to do there. And there's language and there's, and there's music and there's, there's um, traveling in the outback that my wife and I have done for a number of years now. Some traveling overseas, but mainly traveling in the Australian outback. Lots to do. Lots to keep me motivated. Although I'm about to retire within a year or so, uh, I know that I won't be bored in my retirement. Ted, thank you so much for talking to me. That's a great pleasure. Thank <laughs> you for having me here.